Pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny, episode 141. Today I'm going to chat with Kevin Dixie from Know Their Choice Firearms Training. Talk about a mayor who thinks he can strip citizens of their right to open carry and discuss a new product from Tactical Development. I'm your host, Ava Flannell. And Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine, Ava. How are you? I'm doing well. You were saying before we started the show that you were eating. What kind of cereal did I, you have? I, I had fruity, a pebbles. fruity Pebbles. Dude, that's what's up. That's what I've been doing. I've been eating all the cereal since this whole coronavirus thing started. I feel like I'm back in college. Yeah, it is fun. The only thing bad about Fruity Pebbles, like when I was a kid, that you know they stayed harder a little longer. Now you have to dab the milk and eat it real quick because it gets soggy really fast. Oh, I can't. I don't do it. I can't eat it hard. I ate Captain Crunch, the berry crunch the other day. It took three days for my mouth to heal the roof of my mouth. It was insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Captain Crunch is brutal on the roof. Oh, of my, my gosh. And I even made sure to let the milk soak it for a while, and it still messed up the top of my mouth. But it was worth it. It was delicious. Another thing that's worth it, Manicore Arms. X95 Cantilever Foreign. The Gen 2 is in stock, so definitely check it out. Head on over to manicorearms.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15, and that gets you 15% off. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right, Kevin, for anyone who's not familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the firearms industry. Oh, cool. I am um, obviously Kevin Dixie. Everybody calls me KD. I am born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. I've been teaching firearms from a basic level up till, you know, more more advanced levels for roughly about 20 years now. I have a different approach to it. You know, so the name of my company is No Other Choice. It's about mindset, mm -hmm. uh, making sure you're at a point of no other choice before you ever place a negative impact on another human being. Mm -hmm. Kind of extend God's grace and mercy to others as you will want to extend it to you, as long as you don't allow yourself or another innocent person to be hurt in the process. And then giving people all the tangible skills they need on a range to be proficient and performers with their firearms. Our courses are called Evolve. I believe in I don't really believe in advancing. I believe in uh, people evolving. So just evolving them as performers on the range and, and how they think about self-defense and how they apply different things. So that's what I do in the industry. Obviously, I work with several companies as far as product, things like that go. I produced the first gun to fight gun control. I was real proud of that. That is the Truth Series of Firearms. Uh, it's really interesting. Look up if anybody wants to get more about them. Just Google Kevin Dixie the Truth. They'll come right up. Uh, but the true series of firearms are great. They're based off the HKVP9 platform and the HKVP9SK platform. They're remanufactured, redone to my liking. And uh, we put those out there. The cases are, are really phenomenal, too, because the guns come in case in historical stories mm -hmm. that are telling us exactly why gun control is bad. So, like, when you pick up the case, every time you move a gun or a magazine or anything out of the case, it gives you more factual examples of, of bad incidents that have happened in history. So you understand the importance of you holding on to that firearm and telling the truth and defeating the lies of gun control. So real proud of that. Other than that, I travel the country, teach and train, and I do community outreach work through a program called Amy for the Truth that I started. We go into the lives of families and kids, and we help put dads back in the home, help people get jobs, uh, counsel, mentor, and just kind of be a good outreach and a good place for them to come. So more of the holistic approach to making people have better lives. And then at the end, we can teach them how to defend their life. Very nice. You pretty much just answered all the questions that I'm going to ask for the next 30 minutes. Oh, my bad. Yeah. I don't know. What else do you want to do? Talk about cereal some more? 
No, we can't. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. So the gun, the case that it comes in, I did see that and it, it's really well designed. I really liked it. Did you design that for yourself or did you have somebody, did you kind of tell them what you wanted and then they designed it? Uh, so I have been working on, and when I say working on, so I've been shooting a, the HK DP9. That's my favorite handgun. Mm-hmm. And I've been shooting that gun for years. Probably got 60, 70, 80,000 rounds down that platform even before I started thinking about designing the, uh, the truth gun. So what I really wanted to do is just fix some of the things about the gun for myself. I want to kind of a one-off, right? I'm like, okay, I don't like this. This could be better. Through my experience, you know, I would change this. You know, I could use these. I have been working with uh, Wayne Hammer of uh, Wayne Hammer Customs mm-hmm. for a little while. And he was like, okay, dude, I can make what you want happen to the gun. Just let me know when you're ready. We can build you a one-off gun. I'm like, cool. You don't want to trust me with design. I'm sorry, actually drawing circles or coloring in the lines. Like, mm-hmm. that's not my thing. I have to talk to people smarter than me and I can just tell them what I want to make happen. So Wayne was um, really instrumental in uh, helping me make the concept of the gun come true. But then the, the idea of the truth, I didn't want to just have a one-off gun. I wanted to do something more impactful. So I was like, hey, he kicked me in the butt. He was like, dude, get off your ass. Let's make this happen. And so collaborate with him and JNL Machine, a guy named Larry that owns JNL Machine out of Idaho. Mm-hmm. And the three of us kind of I would say something, they'd be like, nope, it's stupid. We just went back and forth. Finally, we came up with a good design. Uh, so they did have some input. I had a ton of input. And we came up with this great design. That, that's how the gun came forward. Then Carolina Custom Phone, the owner, Peter, over there, I got on the phone with him while we were getting the final design with the gun done. and said, hey, man, this is what I want to do. You're an artist. I need for you to make my mind become visual. And he said, okay, talk to me. And we spent probably... 50 to 60 hours on the phone, and he came out with these designs, of the cases that you see with Condition 1 and Carolina Custom Home, and it's just, to me, it's just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a work of art. And the gun's pretty, too, obviously, but the casing, that's something that I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, you know, we wanted to do something different. I wanted not only for it to be, because we're only making 49 of these, so I wanted them to be not just nice, but I wanted them to also be something that people can look back and say, look, I own a piece of history a short run. And I wanted the guns to educate. That was the big thing, right? Because yeah, we got, if you go into the quote unquote Gucci gun category. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can go down the lines of uh, companies that make great aftermarket, you know, updated guns, but I wanted to do something that was a little bit more profound. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stories, success stories I've gotten are the guys that order the guns or girls. We've had several women order them as well. They get the guns and they, you know, they transfer them to the FFL mm-hmm. and they'll call me and be like, my FFL showed it to everybody in the shop. And it was amazing that they had to Google the stories. They had to Google Black Wall Street. They had to Google East St. Louis or Rosewood or the Underground Railroad to get kind of the versions of what I was telling. So the gun actually was educating guys at the gun stores even before the customer got there to pick it up. Nice. I really like that because it's about spreading information and education. So they've been been really impactful in that way. Yeah, definitely. How did you get started in firearms? The bad thing is, in my environment, the guns were always around. I was familiar with them, uh, but they were always bad. Mm-hmm. Like guns are always equal death, really. I'm going to stop you for right. a second because any, it's so weird, but any African-American that I've had on the show, they've all said that in the beginning, or they say that the community typically has a negative connotation of firearms. Yeah, you know, it, it's just true for to a large part, right? Like it's not 100%, but to a large part it is. You know, my particular environment, when guns were introduced, you know, it was about robberies or murders. Every blue moon, you would have a, a cop come through the neighborhood, but that was not always a great interaction. There wasn't a lot of community police getting off the car and 
introduce themselves, mm-hmm. just being friendly. So it never got a, a polite introduction. You saw the police, I mean, something bad happened, right? Yeah. So it always had a negative connotation to it. And we didn't really have, in our community, there isn't an overwhelming amount of, hey, so-and-so was in the service and he's going to talk to you about firearms and what they did in the military. Like, it's not a lot of it. It's some of it, but it's not overwhelming a lot of it. If all you see is guns being associated with your friends being shot or somebody stealing them or, you know, mm-hmm. people being held up and robbed. I just recently put a video up on Instagram where I was just having a casual conversation with my mother. And I was asking about, you know, could I have handled a cell phone when I was 13 because my son was. And she was like, yeah, you could have handled it, but you wouldn't have kept it because you kept getting robbed all the time. Yeah. Like she said that just innocently, but it was so true. So I wind up, though, taking a job at the St. Louis City Police Department in the Prisoner Processing Division when I turned 21. So I had dealt with guns before. I'm not going to say it was always in the right manner or the safe manner. Mm-hmm. But when I got involved with the police department, we had to go to academy training. So during that process, when I got the proper introduction to guns, the baby of the group of instructors that was teaching me had 30 years experience. And that was the baby of the group. So when I when I went into uh, the academy range and I look and it's like 70, 80 guns laying out, you know, I had to clean up the drool and the puddle of slob on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I realized whatever this is, I want every piece of it. I have, mm-hmm. like, whatever we're about to do, I want to do it. We went out to the range and I pressed off my first shot, you know, on an actual range with mm-hmm. professional instructors. And I'm like, yeah. Why did it go bang? Well, because you pressed the trigger. Yeah, but what did the trigger do? So I was that guy, right? And mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, just shoot the gun, dude. I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to do that. But tell me, like, why am I holding it like this? Why are you Why are you saying do this? Hey, why does this thing look like that? Why is it? A, why is this thing a cylinder? I know it's a revolver, but why is that one semi-automatic? And what is that thing over there as MP5? I'm like, well, what is that thing over there? Hey, why are we standing like this? You I'm were like, the bullets going. like, I was really getting on the nerves, right? Yeah. You were like the five-year-old with all the questions. Yes, exactly. And they wind up just saying, okay, dude. And so I just, I stalked them. I did. I became a stalker. It's kind of weird. Get a job (laughs) at the police department and start breaking, you know, and I was just like, yo, I need to know this. And so I did. I stalked, I asked questions and and they were, they eventually like broke. I remember this guy, Charlie. Charlie was just like, all right, kid, what what do you want to know, man? Let's sit down. (laughs) I was like, thank you. Right. And we just talked and they educated me. And then um, from interacting with with officers at the PD and stuff like that, I started realizing that I really, really like firearms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was already doing my community outreach, mentor work and stuff like that, even as a teenager. And I realized through all my historical research, how important guns were. I started realizing a lot of the things that I was talking about and talking to my peers about, as far as things that have happened in history and restrictions of our rights. I just had an epiphany like, wow, guns could have prevented those things from happening, mm-hmm. right? Oh, look, they put this thing called gun control against people. And they couldn't. That's why we that's why we have all these stories. Oh, and I love guns now. So I married the two and I've been addicted to firearms ever since. Nice. What made you want to get involved in law enforcement? I was the kid that always wanted to do something right. And sometimes the, the way that I thought about doing something right was just about having a job and not having to do the wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. So let me stay out of the temptation of doing wrong and go get a job. So I walked into the city PD. I was working at a cable company and I remember driving by the PD. And I was like, you know what? I'm about to go in here right now. And I did. And I walked in and uh, I went to human resources and a woman asked me, Hey, how can I help you? I was like, yeah, I want to be a cop. Let's do that today. Right now. <laughs> like literally, that's like what I did. I was like, let's do this. And the sergeant happened to be behind me. I didn't even see him. I worked for him for a few years after that, but he happened to be behind me. And at that time, 
I was a really, really big dude. I wound up actually gaining weight at BD, oddly enough, but I was a really, really big dude. And he walked up to me and he was like, you know, smiling, like this big smile on his face. And he patted my stomach. And he was like, son, seems like you and Burger King are too good of friends for that, right? Oh. I was like, yeah. But it was like funny. Like he really yeah. had a charisma yeah. to do it, right? And I'm like, yeah, all right. So I can I can break up with Burger King. I need this job. What's up? Let's do this. He was like, I like your enthusiasm. So I walked in on a Monday and he was like, hey, I'll tell you what we can do, though. We have this we have this job and our basically you can be a, a jailer for us. Uh, how would you like that? It's like, that's cool. Let's do it. I work for the department. It's like, yeah, you'll be a police department employee. I said, whatever, let's do it. And they, I walked in on a Monday, which is kind of unheard of going through any kind of government agency. But I walked in on a Monday, uh, had that conversation with him, and I was working there the following Wednesday. Wow. Like, it was like, let's just do it. Let's go. They like me. I went in, and that's how I started. So I started just you know, as a jailer. And then as I went through, I just started learning different things, started eventually training with a lot of the different teams, like the HRT teams, and constantly teaching people how to shoot and operate guns and doing things on a more advanced level, obviously dealing with jails, there are security measures. So I started studying like security measures of facilities from nuclear power plants all the way down because I need to understand exactly what I was doing. I mean, just took that opportunity and just really expanded my knowledge. And then one day I decided that I was done. You know, I was done. It was either continue to do what I was doing or, you know, hit the streets, be a detective, you know, kind of go up the ranks. But with the politics of it, with a lot of the corruption I saw firsthand, mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends that are in prison to this day that were working at that with a lot of the corruption I saw and things like that, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm just going to burn out. So I took advantage of a couple of the college programs, let them pay for it. Now I left. I left and actually wound up running a, a local university's, one of their security programs for a while. While I was a field training officer with it. Did that for a couple of years, one of our big schools. And this is right at the boom of everybody was scared of mass school shootings and things like that. So mm-hmm. they wanted to break in. So a police captain recruited me from there. He took that job as running that department. He recruited me from the PD, went over there, worked for him for a while, trained a couple of little security guys up to actually understand you, even how to do interviews, how to stop people like they had no idea what they were doing. So I went over there, helped them for a while. Then I said, you know what, I'm just going to I'm just going to fade off the scene. I'm, I'm kind of tired of it. I want to keep teaching people how to defend themselves, but I don't think that I want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to deal with the stress. And I just walk away. Wow. I'm going to take a quick break and talk about SB Tactical real quick. All right, guys. So you should check out their CZPDW brace. It's on their website for $279.99. What's great about it is the safety selectors on both sides are usable even when it's fully collapsed, unlike a lot of folding braces that you see out there on the market. Head on over to sb-tactical.com and don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15. That gets you 15% off. Kevin, from there, is that when you decided to become a firearms instructor? Uh, yeah, so I was already doing the firearms work, you know, on the side. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, let me go ahead and officially LLC, you know, let me yeah. get this stuff legal and get this thing called insurance, right? <laughs> I was like, um, and let me do that as a way of, of arming the communities and arming innocent people and people that just want this knowledge. I saw uh, an opportunity to do that. So I LLC, um, coined no other choice and took off. Nice. What kind of classes do you teach now? I know you said you teach a variety, but what would you say your most popular classes are? Uh, most popular right now are, are pistol and rifle classes. So our level ones and twos are the most popular. We do one, two, and three. The evolved ones and twos are the most popular. I have tons of people come back and retake those classes. So that's pistol and rifle. Uh, we also have a, a, a nice heavy focus on youth. We do a lot of youth classes. The only thing that I don't teach is, except for level one, which is very basic entry level, 
but don't teach shotgun. I don't mm-hmm. do that. One. Yeah, I don't, I don't teach, teach shotgun, shotgun either. Just because I haven't spent enough time with the platform. When I got involved in guns, shotguns were kind of, that's about 20 years ago, but guys were kind of phasing away from the shotgun, kind of one more to the carbine. It was, it was a weird transitional moment. Yeah. I've spent time with the shotgun, but not enough to say that I'm comfortable with teaching. You actually have to like clear a house with it or mm-hmm. do something more advanced attached with it. So uh, just being honest and always true to myself because I owed it to my students. But I can teach you how to shoot it. So I run a level one shotgun course. My primary focus is on rifle, pistol. We've also added in to another other choice brand, hand to hand and empty, empty hand combat. So we have a 25 year Taekwondo instructor uh, who comes in and teaches that course under the umbrella. And we deal with families and kids, so everything down to high stove technique with a four year old, all the way up to teaching dad how to protect the family and escape a vehicle and blow out. So everything. Wow. That's awesome. I'm going to ask the typical question because there's a million instructors out there. What separates you from every other instructor out there? Um, I'm a great teacher. Now, you could take guns out of the equation, right? I don't mm-hmm. care what the skill, what, what you're, you're translating to someone else. I take the art of teaching to heart yeah. and how you actually translate that information. I am also very personable. I believe that everybody has a unique story and you have to understand how you can relate to that person in your limited time frame to relate to that person understand that every press of the trigger might mean something different to that individual mm-hmm. than a person standing next to them. Like everybody's standing there for a different reason. Yeah. How do you tap into that individual and drive that reason home and then make sure that retention of said information and practice of said information is, is going forward? So you don't, when you come to me, you're going to get challenged, but you're not going to be yelled at. You're not going to be belittled. You're going to yeah. be pressed and challenged based off why you're there. I'm going to make it very personable to you. We're going to make sure that the art of teaching is on display. Like mm-hmm. You're going to know you're going to learn. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's extremely important because a lot of people are like, oh, I know how to shoot a gun really well. And then they just assume that they can become an instructor. But teaching really isn't as easy as people think. And you have to have that quality in order to for students to learn. So I completely agree with that. Another hard question is, what has been your proudest moment as a firearms instructor? You know, it's, it's, I'll be honest with you, Ava, it's kind of it's bittersweet. Last year, I was involved in instructing four individuals that had to drop bodies in one year. Mm-hmm. And the good thing is my students won. And not only did they win that fight, they won in court, right? Mm-hmm. So it was it was great. And that aspect, the bad thing is I had four students I've been involved with that have had to drop bodies and they have to still deal with the effects of that. Yeah. So I would say my proudest moment with a little bit of salt sprinkling in is the fact that, you know, I've had four students that came trusted me to at least be part of their training experience. And they all survived the unfortunate encounters that we wish they never had to have. But mm-hmm. my students won, bad guys lost. I can be happy about that at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. All right. There's something that I've been dying to talk to about, like bring up in the gun community. And so I've noticed there's obviously not a lot of African-Americans within the gun community, but the few that are, I've noticed that there's a little bit of discrimination and judgment between them. Often they're like, oh, you know, he doesn't represent blacks that well, or, oh, that person, he acts like he's white. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? To me, individuals that have that kind of mindset to say, based off your skin tone in particular, that you don't represent blacks the way we think you should mm-hmm. when you're trying to do good work. Here's, here's what I say to that. Uh, a, it's a, it's a small mindset, right? And when you think about the concept of freedom, Freedom and diversity kind of mix them together. I am 
free. The one thing when you go back to even go back five or six decades, but let's take it back even further. Even when you go back to like the time of slavery, where things were really, really bad, you were told how to think. You were told what you could understand, what you couldn't understand. You were you could not be diverse. All your choices were limited to what other people felt you needed to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you fast forward till now, it's kind of ironic that people that say that they care about that struggle and don't want to repeat it, then tell you what you can do with your choice. Yeah. Like, no, you don't, you don't get to tell me how to live, how to talk, how to be. Right. And I think that they kind of neglect that. The fact that you are free to be who you are. What does representation of a community mean? It means that you mean well for them. Your version of getting to the finish line might not be the same as mine, but as long as I'm not going out hurting people, causing harm to them, depriving them of their freedom or anything like that, then a smart person will realize that I can't solve the world by myself. I just hope we can all have some kind of similarity and I hope to see all of us at the finish line of freedom, respect, and prosperity. Anybody that thinks different than that, I think is a small-minded, immature as a child. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Yeah. I always kind of thought it was weird that there's just so much, I don't know, I don't want to say racism within the community, but I think life's hard enough. I even feel bad about even making fun of gun bunnies at times because at the end of the day, it's just, I don't want to prevent somebody trying to get more involved in firearms by making fun of them or talking down on them or anything like that. So I've really kind of started to think twice about what I say about them. But it's always just been interesting to me because there are I'm friends with a lot of people in the industry, a lot of African-Americans. And it's just so funny that some people, they just constantly talk shit about each other. And I just kind of thought that really at the end of the day, we're all, we're all two way, you know, friendly. We're all fighting a good fight. And yeah, I agree. I think it is kind of small minded. Tell me about stogies and straps. Oh, stogies and straps. Ah, such fun. Uh, first of all, I need to stop. I'm not going to keep I'm not going to be able to keep smoking a cigar a day. I'll tell you what, it's expensive nah. and it's hard. I'm a man. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but soakies and straps are something that I wanted to do. I was having a conversation. I like to keep people around me that are smarter than me and think differently. And I have a, I have a variety of friends. And I was talking to one of my friends one day. And she, we were talking about something real deep and philosophical. And she just up and said, out the blue, she's like, you know what? I've never seen people fight while eating a cookie. Like, how the heck did we That's go true. from this deep? Therapeutic conversation of that. But I was like, you know what? You're right. I've never seen people fight while eating cookies, maybe fighting over who gets to eat the cookies, but not fighting while eating cookies. I was like, hmm, well, cigars, stogies are the same thing. I've never seen people fight while eating a stogie. The representation is normally having a good smoke and having a conversation. Even if you disagree, it stays level headed, mm -hmm. mature, and you can exchange those ideas. I'm like, great. So stogie, you know, represents that for me. And then I was like, well, maybe I can pull people in and have a conversation with them. There are some questions I want to ask that I'm not hearing being asked. So maybe I can just ask. You know, I know people. I know plenty of folks. So I just started inviting people on IG Live as a casual way of doing it. I wanted people to feel relaxed. Let's just have a stogie. And then I said strap. You know, strap obviously a play on the term firearm. I'm like, well, that represents our freedom to have the conversation. It represents your freedom not to be accosted because how you feel or what you view. You still have the right to make it home safe at night and to walk away from this conversation and feel like nobody's going to do anything to you because of your viewpoints. So I was like, all right, we'll call it stogies and straps. And we'll just bring people on. We'll present a cigar and then we'll present a gun every night that represents that conversation. And then we'll have a nice casual talk about a myriad of things that are going on in the world and let people just feel comfortable expressing themselves. So I was going to do just a couple of them. I think we're 26 or 27 of them in. And we've just been having fun with them. Just something fun to do in the, the COVID takedown. Mm -hmm. um, 
I was thinking about the whole podcasting thing, but I, I do not envy you guys. I realize how much work goes into it. Me, I can just show up and talk. That's cool. And I can leave. Yeah. Right? But the production <laughs> and the edits and the setting it up, I'm like, oh, man. So I was thinking about maybe dipping in that world a little bit, but I don't know. Yet. I might hit you up and get your opinion on something while I make a decision about that. It is definitely a lot more work than people think. They just think, oh, I enjoy talking and I could talk about a variety of different topics, but there's so much more to it. And even now, like last night or the night before, somebody's like, what are you doing? I'm preparing because I have to do three podcasts tomorrow. You have to know your guest. You have to figure out, okay, what, depending on, on what the podcast is going to be about. But for me, like I constantly have to keep up to date with political news and different guns that come out. And then knowing your guest and doing some research on them, because I got to say, I didn't, after researching you, I had no idea that you were doing as much as you are. And I'm really impressed. But yeah, it is work. But I don't know. I think you would actually be really good at it for what it's worth. And I actually had the opportunity to be one of your guests. And it's really mm -hmm. funny because I got the time zone mixed up. So here I am at the grocery store. I just ordered something mm -hmm. from the deli. And then I go to pay and I see there's this huge ass line. I mean, the longest line I've ever seen in a grocery store. And then I realized the time because you tagged me in a post. And I'm like, wait, it said central time. I literally have 30 minutes. And I would have just put the stuff back. But because it was deli items, I couldn't just throw it in wherever. So here I am. I'm like, I'm going to have to go live at this grocery store. This is my life now. <laughs> and it was just, it was a disaster. So yeah, that was my experience with it. But I don't know. It I worked. think it worked out great. Yeah, it was all right. The connection was a little bad, but I still enjoyed being on. I appreciate you having me on. And I'm actually going to ask you something that you asked me at the end of your show. Because I'm curious to see what your answer is. So what does freedom mean to you? Freedom to me is the choice to be who I am without infringement. Okay. It's the choice to go after what I want to go after. It's the choice to believe what I want to believe. Have the right to change my mind if I ever want to. It is giving me space to be who God created me to be without you interfering. Period. Leave me alone. Yeah. And, and I'll abide by some of the overall rules of the land, right? Like I won't go around murdering people. I won't mm -hmm. go around burning your home. But outside of that, I just want to be free because the world is such a big, beautiful, open place. I don't need another person telling me how I should view it, where I can sleep, what kind of control you want to put on me. No, I don't want you to do that. I just mm -hmm. want you to stay the hell out of my way. Yeah. So then what are your thoughts on the whole coronavirus, the stay-at-home order and stuff? That, I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of mixed because it's, it's one of those things. Hey, guys, what does common sense tell us, right? Yeah. Like, this isn't the first time we've had to deal with something like this in human history, right? You need to collect like the Spanish flu. We've dealt with uh, things like this before. So, yeah, do I believe in, you know, practicing a social distancing? And obviously, washing your hands shouldn't be something we're teaching people. Okay. Uh -huh. um, washing your hands and, and practicing some of those basic things. Sure. Do I agree with the government shutting down small businesses and telling them when they can and cannot open? Absolutely not. Yeah. Do I believe in government telling you that you can and cannot go outside? No. I believe people are smart enough to make a choice and they should be smart enough to deal with the consequences. So if you are going to go to a party of 80 people and you understand that something like the coronavirus is still very active, then you need to be able to deal with the consequences of going to said party. I don't believe that the government needs to send in police officers to arrest you because you went to the party. Mm -hmm. I also don't believe in saying that we have an economic collapse because of COVID-19 where the economy is slowing down. And then what you do is you go out and you find people for being on the beach by themselves, going out into the ocean by themselves. Yeah. Then you find them. So the government's going to siphon the money out of you when they are saying that the government, I mean, sorry, the economy is suffering. So 
I don't agree with it overall. I think you present the information to people, let people make their decisions, let them deal with the consequences. And I think government shutting down businesses and telling businesses they can't open, I think that that's horrible. And look at how many, I, I know there has been a big write-up about restaurants lately in particular. Mm-hmm. Some of these restaurants aren't going to recover from this. They're going to close their doors permanently. Yeah. So I don't agree with the way that it was handled. Yeah, it's definitely sad for the economy. I agree with that. All right. For people who want to find you on the internet, do you have a website, social media handle, stuff like that? Sure. Website is being redesigned as we talk. I'm, I'm so excited about the, the, the website. Awesome. One of the best birthday presents ever. But the website right now is nootherchoice.net. So that's nootherchoice, all spelled out, .net. If you want to find me on any of the other social media platforms, it's the real NOC. So the real NOC for no other choice. You can find me on all the platforms. You can also plug in Kevin Dixie. Uh, my last name is spelled D as in dog, I-X-I-E. Um, and I look forward to engaging and interacting with you all. When is your birthday? Birthday was March 31st. I had a birthday during COVID. I had a quarantine birthday. Yeah, that's cool. I feel so bad for the people that they're turning 21 and uh-huh. stay at home. Because I remember when I was turning 21, I actually waited until past 12 o'clock so that it's like 12 a.m., 12.01 a.m. And then technically I'm 21 and then I went to the bars. Mm. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous looking back, especially now because uh, 12 o'clock rolls around, I'm in bed. But I was just so excited to go to bars and take that next step. And so I definitely feel for a lot of these people that are having birthdays during this time. <laughs> oh, man, trust me. It sucks. Well, I always said that what we're going to do is for all of us to have quarantine birthdays, for all you other people, we're going to push your birthdays further. So <laughs> right. We're going to butt in and, and celebrate when we want. <laughs> there you go. All right. Moving forward, IWI. Are you familiar with any IWI products? Do you have any? Uh, yeah, I have one of the uh, Desert Eagles. Nice. Here. I have the, the 40, 45. Yeah, I have the 45 Desert Eagles. Oh, but yeah, I'm familiar with the products. Great stuff. Yeah, definitely. I know I just mentioned some of the Manicore Arms parts that they make for the X95, the Tavor X95. IWI has that. Definitely check out their website. They have so many cool guns. Be on the lookout for my review of the TS-12, that shotgun, and you can find them at IWI.us. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as never mind, AF. All right, so you said before we started the show, you said you've kept up to date with all the stuff that's going on with the Jackson mayor. How the hell do you pronounce his name? I'm like, it's like Chokey, Antar, Lumbumba. And then I'm like, la, 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 Bumba. <laughs> yeah, I won't be the best at that. So I just call him the, the Jacksonville mayor to keep it, keep it easy and simple. Yeah. Basically, he announced that he suspended legal open carry in Jackson, Missouri by executive order. And in a video released by the city, the mayor said that the city's in a state of emergency because of COVID-19 and was granted powers under state law that allowed the move. He basically said that the open carry law not only provides protection to individuals who are armed with illegal weapons, it creates an atmosphere of fear and intimidation in the community. And we cannot continue to turn a blind eye to the fact that the open carry law has led to an increase in gun violence in our communities, which is such BS. I like cringe just reading this article. Yeah, the, the state of Mississippi is, is, has its, its issues, obviously, like other states have their issues. Mm-hmm. but. The way that he even attempted to word that, and I, I listened to the audio, I read the articles, and I'm like, you know what, man? First of all, 
when he tried to equate the criminal activities, and I love when the politicians try to bring in the safety and concerns of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. When you say that our law enforcement officers can't determine the difference between good guys and criminals, let me tell you something. There's a big difference between a good dude with a gun and a bad dude with a gun. And when it comes to open carry, I haven't met. And Ava, I grew up in some pretty rough areas. And hell, I worked at a PD. I've never met a criminal that was like, hey, look, I'm a prohibited person, but there are the cops. Let me go ahead and show them my, 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 my nine millimeter on my side. Exactly. I haven't met that person yet. So you can't tell me that open carry is confusing the cops because criminals are going to have guns and they're not going to display them for police officers. Right. And if you go hands on with somebody, and you pull a gun off of them, then at that time, you can put the, the gun into the next system, see if you get a hit on it. If you run their name and they're prohibited, okay, great. You lock that individual up, you seize the firearm. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't get what, where his problem is. Good people, I'm not going to be concealed carrying a gun, and whether I appreciate the interaction with law enforcement or not, I'm not going to shoot at a cop. Just not, yeah. not going to happen, right? Bad guy might open fire on a police officer. Well, that tells you, well, you're a bad person, we're going to take you down. So his entire way of attempting to connect that doesn't even make logical sense. I, I think it's just a, it's a grab for, hey, it's something crazy going on. It's a pandemic going on. This is my opportunity to pass gun control measures of any sort where we can take an inch to get to that mile. And I mm -hmm. believe that's what he's doing. Yeah, which is ridiculous because a lot of other cities, you can't regulate legal carry of firearms in times of declared emergency. Yeah. I would say that pretty much the entire world at this point is declared an emergency. And then also there's constitutional carry in Missouri, right? As of like 2015 or something. Yeah, but this is in Mississippi. Oh, you're right. You're right. But yeah. I, I still believe they have constitutional carry. Like my mom lives in Mississippi, so I'm there quite often. But I, I do believe they have constitutional carry in Mississippi. And I think where the error that Mississippi made that they could actually steal from the state of Missouri where I'm at is the fact that our state, we, we put it, I forget the exact year we put it in the bill. But I think it was a reaction to what happened in Hurricane Katrina. But the state of Missouri reacted to that. And I forget the actual code, but you cannot do that in the state of Missouri, like mm -hmm. the entire state. Like no city government can say we are suspending these gun rights. The state of Missouri owns all of that. We voted that into power. So you can't do that in times of crisis. I would encourage the, the people in Mississippi to look at that. Put that at a state level where these cities can't do horrible things like that. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. Definitely. It's amazing how many states are taking advantage of this to try to take a lot of our gun rights away. They're using coronavirus as as a scapegoat to strip us of our rights. Yeah. Political science, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste, right? Yeah. So that's exactly what they're doing. And it's crazy that they're attacking guns. One thing I would like for people to pay attention to is we have roughly what, if you, if you round up the number, 2.5 million people, give or take. They went out to buy guns. Majority of those individuals need gun owners. And people are also saying, obviously, you're staying at home, right? So people are like, oh, I'm trapped in the house. I need mm -hmm. a gun. I need to be safe. Blah, blah. Well, isn't it ironic that when you feel like you need to practice safety and take care of yourself, even though it took coronavirus to get you there? Okay, fine. But now you're there. That even in your homes, your government is trying to tell you that you need less guns. Yeah. But I thought that one of their arguments was, Oh, we don't care anything about you having guns in your home. We're just concerned with people walking down the street with these deadly assault rifles with 30 round magazine clips and 
and double barrel extended magazines to shoot ghost bullets, <laughs> right? Like that was the big concern. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, you just want them at home? Well, hey, you know, you don't need them at all. And you know, we don't need to see them. Like it's this constant press back to try to eliminate guns and using something like a virus. Did the corona, maybe I missed it. Has the coronavirus been proven to turn people into raging lunatics? <laughs> right. Make them go homicidal with firearms and knives and bats and bricks and gasoline. Last thing I heard about the coronavirus, if you get badly affected by it, you're stuck on a respirator. Mm-hmm. So how are you a danger to anybody? It, it doesn't even make logical sense. Even trying to figure it out makes my head hurt. I know. I totally agree. On that note, we're not going to make our heads hurt anymore. We're moving on. Sharps Bros. Rainier Arms, they sell the exclusive Spartan helmet lower. And I just saw they got a batch of them in. They were Cerakoted by Blown Deadline, our buddy over at Blown Deadline. They have a nice battle damaged bronze color with blood splatters. And they're on sale right now for $275. So check them out. That's at Rainier Arms. Otherwise, if you want to check out all the other lowers and cool stuff that Sharps Bros has, head on over to sharpsbros.com. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. All right. So today's question, if travel restrictions were gone tomorrow and you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you most want to visit? And I hate these questions because I'm like, man, I don't even know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. For the longest time, I wanted to go to Asia and just be completely out of my element. but. Now that you hear people are eating bats and stuff over there, I'm like, eh, you know what? I'm I'm okay here in the U.S. Yeah, I think um I would have to say Dubai if I could go anywhere. That would be um, cool. I definitely think Dubai would be something really interesting to see. I don't know. I've done quite a bit of traveling. Right after college, I traveled all over Europe, and that was cool. But at the time, I lived in New York City, and I noticed that even a lot of the cities in Europe were very similar to New York City. So next time I go somewhere, I just want to go somewhere where the culture is just completely different and and just kind of realize that there's other cultures out there other than the ones that we're living in. So, yeah, I don't know. Traveling the world is really cool. I wish more people would do that. You know, one thing that breaks my heart is that I got friends that have never been outside of this state that are in their 40s. I know. Breaks my heart, man. I'm like, it's such a beautiful world out there. You need to explore it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that just to learn about other people, other cultures, and realize that, hey, there's life beyond your little Mm -hmm. life, your bubble that you're living in. So totally agree. All right. Polymer 80. So Polymer 80 still has that buy the build shoot kit, and it includes the 80% frame, the complete slide assembly, complete frame parts. 10 round magazine and the pistol case. And that is all for $590. But if you use the code gunfunny, you'll get 15% off. And you can find that at palmer80.com. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. I met the guy who owns Tactical Development at SHOT Show, just this last SHOT Show 2020. And he's definitely doing some pretty cool, innovative stuff. But recently, he came out with a rail adapter for the P365 and the 365 XL. So when I first saw it, it's really interesting. So imagine there's a magazine, the base plate of the magazine 
has a standard 1913 rail on the bottom of it. So when I first saw it, I'm like, why would they do that? What is that? Like, so you can attach your pistol to your rifle? It just <laughs> seems so weird to me. You even said before the show, you're like, yeah, I was first looking at it and it just looked, is that what you kind of thought initially looking at it? Yeah, I'm like, what, 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 what am I putting my gun on? That's, I know, exactly I know. What my, what? I know. I was like, wait, is this so that you can, you know, shoot your gun and your rifle at the same time because they're, you know, right on top of each other? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. But basically what it is, is it's for one, the P365. So it doesn't have that typical rail. So they created a rail where you can put like a light, a laser. And then if you are practicing, let's say you're using the Mantis X which I just got when I got the the X10 and I'm going to be messing around with that, which by the way, small little plug, if you use the code GUNFUNNY, you'll actually get 10% off at mantisx.com. But I just got one of them. It's supposed to improve your shooting. And we've had previous guests that have talked about it. So if you install a light or a laser, you're obviously not going to want to take that off because you already zeroed that in. But let's say you still want to practice. You want to practice your draw and stuff like that. So what the little 1913 rail on the bottom of the magazine does is it allows you to connect your Mantis X so that you can practice while not having to switch any of the accessories that are on your gun. So really, it is actually a pretty, pretty smart design once you realize what it's there for. Yeah. Once you actually, once I actually read Mantis X, I was like, okay, makes, makes perfect sense now. Totally yeah. Good. Yeah. But initially I was just like, what? And then I'm like, that doesn't even look comfortable to hold because, you know, why would you want the little Picatinny rail at the bottom of the magazine? And yeah, it just, it looked really, it, it wasn't a good look, but it makes perfect sense after you realize what it's there for. So uh, tactical development, they're coming out with a bunch of different stuff. I think he typically specializes in P365 accessories website. I don't know exactly what his website is, but just Google tactical development or look for him on Instagram. And moving forward, Trigger Brew. So they make awesome beef jerky. And honestly, who doesn't like beef jerky? People who don't like beef jerky and pickles, I definitely don't trust them. So if you like beef jerky, which you should, because otherwise just don't listen to my show anymore. And you want to check out all of the flavors. They actually have the little trigger pack that has all of the flavors, all five flavors available. They come in three ounce bags or seven ounce bags and pretty good price. It's on sale. It kind of has that bulk item sale. If you use the code GUNFUNNY, you'll get 20% off. And that is at triggerbrew.com. All right, it's that time for iTunes reviews. If you guys haven't left an iTunes review, you know the deal. Please head on over. It's, if you have an iPhone, it's super easy. You just hit the, the iTunes app and then search for Gun Funny and you can write a review that way. First review, Poetry on Cracker, five stars. Great all-around show after Gun Talk with Tom Gresham. Uh, you were tied for second place with Michael Bain's podcast and Handgun Radio podcast. A lot of relevant and timeless information. I don't know what to make of that. I feel like that's like a compladis because I'm not first, but I'm second. But that's cool. Squatty Bob, five stars, helping me survive COVID-19. I've been listening to the show to take my mind off the pains of this pandemic. Listening to the host talk made me totally forget. I ran out of toilet paper two days ago and my hiney hole is all chafed and crusty. That's great. Oh, and if my neighbors ask, I didn't eat their cat. <laughs> Oh, God, I got some interesting <laughs> listeners. Out of those two, pick a winner to win a prize pack. 
Oh, you want me to pick? Yeah. Who else hmm. am I talking to, Kevin? Come on. Okay. okay. You could just say um, you could just say first or the second review. I'm gonna go with the second. Yeah, I get it. We all we feel bad, right? Because his hiney holes all chafed and crusty. I get it. Yeah. So. Not, <laughs> you gotta, I mean, you gotta feel sorry. I mean, running out of toilet paper, that's a real issue now in 2020. So it's totally believable. And eating cats, hey, I get it. You don't want to go to the grocery store and possibly be exposed to somebody who has coronavirus. Totally get it. Cats can get coronavirus too now, right? I know. Yeah. Yeah. Dogs. Yeah. There was the lion at the zoo and then there was somebody else's cat. Little Fluffy got it. And then I saw the cutest little pug and, and it had coronavirus and... Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to wrap up. Guys, you can find me at gunfunny.com. There's links to everything on there. YouTube, social media links, affiliate links. If you guys are shopping, like at Brownells, Rainy Arms, any of that, and you want to give back to the show, just click on that link and then make your purchase and the show gets a percentage of that sale. Otherwise, if you really want to give back to the show, consider becoming a Patreon. All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash gunfunny. $3 gets you an entrance into the gunfunny Patreon Facebook group. And it's a lot of fun. You also get a chance to win a $300 gift certificate from Blown Deadline. And if you haven't seen Michael's work, it's amazing. So check out Blown Deadline. I also want to thank the $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Elliot and Mike Pappas, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson. Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, and Sportsman's Guide. And King of the Patreons is still Jon Snow. He wants me to say that most people don't know the Operator Tickles was originally cast to play the role of John Wick's dog. When they started filming, the director quickly realized the Operator Tickles was far from lethal for the part, as she kept killing all the stuntmen and saving John Wick. Mm-hmm. Oh, Operator Tickles. And you know, that's my dog, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because yep. when I went that. live with you, it's just so funny. I was laughing because when I went live with you, there's so many people that are like, where's Tickles? And I'm like, this is insane that so many people know my dog and my dog's name and follow her on Instagram. So yeah, if you guys want to follow her on Instagram, tack underscore Tickles, tacticals, get it? And Kevin, I just wanted to thank you once again for joining me today. Keep up the great work. I'm really, really impressed with what you're doing. If you could just remind listeners once again where they can find you. Sure. And thank you so much for the kind words. And it was great being with you. And the listeners can find me at nooverchoice.net. The website is getting redesigned, but nooverchoice.net. And on all your social media platforms, The Real NOC for No Other Choice. So The Real NOC. And you can also search Kevin Dixie. That's D as in dog, I-X-I-E. And I'll report to Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.